Welcome to my podcast. You're going to hear the first half of a crazy two and a half hour conversation. And it cuts out right at the end because we had to move rooms. And I thought that would be a good time to give you a break. So strap yourself in for a really epic, in-depth, raw, authentic, crazy conversation about the lotus that blooms forth. See you there. Peace. Hey everyone, welcome back to a well overdue podcast. I haven't made one in a little while and I've got a special guest today and it's a special episode. Uh, we're going to be talking about my upcoming mixtape, which releases on the 12th of October in celebration of World Mental Health Day, which is earlier on that week. And the mixtape is called The Lotus That Blooms Forth. It's a follow-up to my 2016 mixtape called Dead Roots. And I've got a special guest with me here today who you, some of you will recognize and some of you won't. For those of you who don't know my special guest, so I've got with me Mr. Lewis Howell, uh, who is one of my close, close friends. I always say he's the St. Lucian Jamaican version of me and I'm the Indian version of him. Um, he is one of the first people to listen to the mixtape. And I thought it'd be cool today for him to take over the podcast and interview me to find out some of the behind the scenes and how the mixtape was created and some of my thinking behind it in the build up to next week. So I'm actually going to hand over to you and you just bro, take over, man. Thank you so much, bro. Genuinely. So I don't want to be that person who just because I got the opportunity to hear the mixtape in advance that I just come on here and be like, oh my God, everyone needs to, I really do want to break this down. But I must say, bro, this is a truly seminal piece of work that's a big word no no it's seminal i have to the reason why i say it's seminal because one of the things i've learned from you is that and not just from things you said but also from your example is that when you put out work and you have creations actually they have to stand the test of time and that is because you never know when the individual that needs to hear this is going to hear it and honestly even though you've based conceptually this mixtape around a particular point in your life, it will literally stand the test of time. And it's interesting because obviously I've been able to kind of see your journey as an outsider looking in as someone that's close to you and all of that and go, rah, like some of the things that we'll talk about it more, some of the things I know you were just saying off the cuff, I was like, if people only knew how much experience of <laughs> all of that is behind it, it's crazy. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so I'm grateful for this opportunity. And, um, you know, I said it to you as soon as I heard it, like, I was only 20 seconds into the first track and was like, brother, I'm going to throw my phone. I was in the gym. Like, I'm gonna, <laughs> no, he literally I'm, his words were, I'm going to rush you. I'm which for those of you who are not from the UK, you. means I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock you out. Bro, I'm going to like, I was like, this gave me like, I'm, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, so I'm going to actually not talk about track one because I think I want the same surprise and the reaction I had to have, to, for others to have that. Okay. Because I think, the way it started was just so deep with regards to track one that I was like, yeah, do you know what? We'll leave that there, innit? But that, yeah, as I said, for me, immediately I was like, whoa. So let's move on to track two because this is the one where literally it was like, as soon as I heard this, I was like, yeah, bro, now I'm going to fight you still. I was like, I, I might, I said, I think I remember saying that like, I'm a person of peace, but I was like, I beg nobody be on the machine that I need to use in the gym <laughs> today because I might throw you off the machine. Like, I mean, I'm too, I'm too into it. So, Let's talk about 
why was this mixtape so important? Like, because to put together a piece of work like this and to approach it in the way you've approached it, you have to be not only in a certain headspace, but have a certain type of energy to ha- to know exactly why you're doing it, who it's for. And yeah, talk to us about why this was important. This mixtape was for me, man. Uh, okay. Honestly, it, you know, track one, the cave you fear to enter. That's actually half of a quote that I like. The cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. And I created that track in 2017. So after the momentum of making Dead Roots, I started work on the next one. And conceptually, I'd already thought about the next two and how I wanted to go from a dead root. And just if you look at the artwork, very different to the lotus that then blooms forth. So you're going from absolute decay to flourishment and growth. Um, This mixtape is a lot more personal in many, many ways of the word for me, for the subject matter. Um, But I also wanted to wait, you know, even though it started in 2017, some of these tracks were, you know, written in 2017. I wanted to wait because I think it's also important for any artist um, to create bodies of work that stand the test of time because I think that's a real measure is I can go back now and I listen to Dead Roots for inspiration. And some of the stuff I've written there, I'm like, whoa, I don't know how I wrote that. It wasn't me, it came through me. Um, But yeah, secondly, I I think I needed to go on my journey and just grow as a person and and find new ideas and and then have like a a hero's journey and I come back with something to to share. Um, This mixtape has been a healing journey for me and it's allowed me to take experiences and use them to create something that benefits others and to turn my own uh, challenges into a pearl, you know, like to take shit and turn it into sugar and Mm. to take a difficult experience or period and to form it into something in a, in a way that's not, you know, you, you can't, I want anyone to still be able to access it. Um, so yeah, it was a bit of healing, a bit of creativity, a bit of solidifying the last three years and ideas I've been thinking about, things I've been speaking about. Um, and it just felt like the right time, man. Like, so did that just determine your like right approach time. to creation as well? Did that determine, like, did you approach Dead Roots very differently to this? Like, was Dead Roots a case of saying, right, I'm going to dedicate the next two months to creating the tracks and then mm. release? Or was this one that and Dead Roots was more yeah good question Dead Roots I, I definitely did the, what you just said I was like okay I'm going to set aside this amount of time to creating a mixtape um, but I didn't really have the difference between this and Dead Roots is in Dead Roots I didn't have a concept I didn't have a beginning and middle and end whereas this there's a real story to it 100%. from track one 100%. to the end track like you go on a journey with me mm. and it's very raw like it's very raw the, maybe the rawest you've heard me I would say especially 100%. one particular track track seven yeah I'm thinking of um, even track two for example like there's a lot of rawness there and I, I wanted to bring that into this um, the first track is a compilation of voice notes you know uh, Jazz was saying to me earlier one of my friends from a co-working space here like 
it was just so like, yeah, just raggled, just is. No, I didn't want to make it too perfect. Um, and I've put more work into this than Dead Roots in many ways, you know, in terms of the technical stuff, but it just, uh, it was, it's very much been a journey of this is what I want to talk about. I want to focus on personal development, but also mental health mm. and anxiety and feeling low and all of those things that people suffer from um, or the symptoms they suffer from. And we all do, including me. Um, but I also, you know, there were some pieces, you know, the speeches that you hear, they're just recorded live. And, mm. and people have never really heard that as much. I don't really share my live speeches yeah. as over the last few three years, but you've seen me do them all the time. So I was like, "Well, this is that was going to be one of my questions later." So let's definitely make sure we come back to that. But I do want to touch on question on, on track two, sorry, okay? Because one of the notes I put when I listened to it was that there was speed, clarity, and honesty. So, like, mm. how did you manage to marry those three things? Because obviously, to be that honest that early was obviously intentional in terms of the track listing. But then to have that level of clarity, but choose to go at that speed, which is very much a contrast to the previous track. Because in track one, the voice notes all come fairly, you know, it's like everybody's clearly thinking as they're speaking. Their speech yeah. is very slow. And then you come in quite strong, quite fast. Like, why, why did you do that? Because like, <laughs> I thought that, because that hit me as a listener. I was like, mm. ooh, okay, where is this mixtape going now, innit? So talk to us a bit about that because the speed, the clarity, and honestly, yeah. quite so those, those two came as a pair because in the first track, and if you go watch the video on my YouTube channel as well, you'll see this, I don't speak. Yes. You don't hear from me in the don't, first track. And everyone's talking about me or to me. So was it a response? Yeah. Right. Now, interestingly, I created that piece as a voice note I recorded to myself. Okay on the way home one time and then I just re-recorded that so the audio was good and stuff but um, and even then I was I was like ah, I don't want to keep the rawness of the first one or re-record this but again it was very much just me speaking very honestly and off the cuff nothing that was not scripted at all that whole second track um, it was just what I was feeling at the time and it was interesting for me because revisiting that track I, I, I feel like I've had moments this year where I feel exactly the same things as I felt then. I recorded that in 2017 again. Mm. Um, one day on the way home from Hub, I was just thinking about these things. So that gave me clues as to a situation in another part of my life. Yeah. Um, but also, I just liked the honesty of it. And I liked the the journey that even the music, the instrumentals, shout out to my, my good friend Anatu, who's made some of the, the pieces um, the music, especially for track one, two, and I think seven. Um, cause it's very mellow. It's very almost dark and like, you know, low. And then you can feel my voice start to rise. I'm like, I just want to be free. That I just want to fly. Like, I feel like that yeah. bird with lead wings and I just want to fly. And it's like that frustration that we all feel of like, we want to be somewhere. And sometimes it doesn't happen as quickly as we want. And I've definitely felt that, man. Like we all do. It's a part of the process. Um, but towards the end, I'm like, I'm just not going to stop. It was I'm just not going to stop. Literally, it was almost that. Like, and I see why you say now as a voice note you wrote to yourself, because it was almost like convincing yourself. But in you convincing yourself, it helped us to resonate as listeners. 
It helped us as listeners to both resonate with your journey, but also draw parallels for our own. Yeah. And to go, oh, this is a very interesting situation you're in whereby, and you know, you know, we were speaking about it a bit earlier today as well, but like sometimes when your potential and your current results do not align, that can be so frustrating. Yeah. And the hardest thing as well is when that happens, and it's not always necessarily to the fault of your own, but there are external factors that may be affecting that. It hits us more, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and I felt that. I think this mixtape has really, I say it at the end, it's really helped me to understand who I am. Mm. Like, who I am. I'm Keshav back. Like, I'm get, this is what Keshav does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is how his life is. This is what time he gets home. Like, that's what he does. Trust He's... Just like a tree in a forest, this is his expression of his own self. And um, it's, I think, especially as a creative person doing things that are different to most people, it's taken me a while to really own that and say, no, like, if I want to wake up at 11, I can wake up at 11. I do what I choose to, mm. but that doesn't mean I work as hard. I don't work as hard as you. It just looks different because I might be, for example, in the gym. But I'm also writing stuff. I'm also yeah. listening to audiobooks. I'm also processing all the coaching calls I've had. I'm also thinking about what funding bids we need to do. I'm processing a lot of things. And my entire lifestyle is geared around who I am and what I do. 100%. And I've just made that choice earlier than most people will. And so there's like a delayed period. And again, this mixtape helped me to really... One of the most... And I'm grateful for this, but it's hard to receive... It's like, I, even yesterday I got two comments like this, like, you deserve so many more subscribers. Like, no, but. Yeah. And that is hard when you hustle and you try and you put everything in and you're trying to be a, about the right things and you don't feel you get the, let's say, clout or the, the vanity metrics that you would want financially on social media all that it i'm not going to say it doesn't matter because it does mm, like mm. it does it makes a difference but with this it really helped me to just let go of that and that piece was a kind of about that i suppose um and what you said at the beginning that was the true test for me is like this has to stand the test of time like touch wood if i were to die tomorrow you would listen to this and it's like no we know what he was we know who he was yeah, that, that we know what he was about. That spoke volumes to me throughout. And um it's interesting because earlier you said that, you know, some of them are live speeches. And obviously track three, mm. that is one. Um so I won't dwell on it, but what I liked was the authenticity of track three in that because it is a live speech. There might be bits where in the moment you slip up on a word or whatever, but you just say yeah, I'm keeping that in. Yeah. I, I think if I remember correctly, this might even be a track where the mic might have dropped. I can't remember. Something happened. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Whoever could... when I left, I was like... Yeah, when you're when you walk through these doors... There's something that happened. Yeah, yeah, but... Anyway, shouts out to the people listening. If you can find the slight mistake that happens either within Kesh's speech or at a moment in track three and then DM Kesh or put yeah, a, yeah, a yeah. comment under the YouTube videos, let us know. But anyway, little prize for that. But there's a level of authenticity in there. But the, the note I put was that the message was bigger than the mistake. And that's why you kept it in because the message was deep. Now, what's interesting about the message though is you were speaking to a dual audience, which obviously I know because I was there, but obviously 
I only realized that you were speaking to a dual audience until I was listening to the audio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why was speaking to that dual audience so important? Just because there are universal themes that everyone experiences, no matter mm. if you're young or old, if you're wherever you're at in your journey in this particular moment in life, it's just parallels. Like a teacher and a student both have challenges with procrastination. Yeah. We all need to know our why. These are just universal things. And again, it's just sometimes we've been talking about this a lot. You don't need to fix the 80% because you got the 80% down. Like knowing your why is just going to be relevant to you now and in 20 years when you have children and when you have grandchildren. Like you just do the same process again. You don't mm. need to learn a new technique. Um, and I, I wanted to keep like a rawness in this mixtape so that it doesn't feel too crafted because mm-hmm. such is life you know that's why i think podcasts are doing so well long-form content does so well because there's a rawness to it like i don't want just the perfect branded you know cinematic videos like my most popular video is out of focus mm-hmm. still and i'm like oh, does it have to be this video i've got nicer ones but people resonate with reality and rawness and not thinking too much about it. And uh, those three tracks, even what's your consequence, watch my back, Maya. Um, they just, they, and also they were the easiest to create. Like they came out in like, I recorded the audio, uh, put it through my mastering process and then added the music and I was like, okay, we're good. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. So with the what's your consequence, though, it's, as I said, because you were speaking to a dual audience, you did mention that the audience being students and teachers, I think what resonated to me was the fact that these speeches on those three tracks, which we'll touch on the other two as well, were given at the height of you healing. So what people don't know is that when you I was at of, my most raw form right yeah. you were at your most vulnerable at the, at the height of you trying to make sense of your current situation and all of that yet these three truly hard-hitting messages came out in those moments mm. so it's almost like a true embodiment of use your pain to push you to greatness some might say or you know being able to take the, the, the hardest things that you're facing and being able to turn them into something that's beautiful and so you know, like it, it, in the moment when you were given that particular message for what's your consequence, like how did you not allow everything you're going through to take over, but to channel it in a way that meant it was a perfect yeah. message for someone else? Um, I think because that's who I've worked at being for so long mm. that when a situation arises, it's a little bit like that quote, you know, that I, I say that like we talk about this. I'd rather be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Mm. And so that was something that came across to me as well was, damn, uh, even track seven, like how can I be saying this stuff at this point where I'm broken? Mm. Like I've completely been shattered open. And yet because of all of the self-development, the people around me as well, like shout out to so many people who've been, uh, just around me recently and just even before that it just came through that my pre-existing resilience my mindset was such that I was able to say you know what I'm feeling all this stuff right now and I am processing and I am going through my own 
struggles. Uh, and I don't want to say too much about it, but what I will say is that this has easily been the most challenging period of my life so far, mm-hmm. easily, and the most defining. And having been through those moments before, immediately I knew what I, I knew very quickly, okay, this is like storms coming, bro. Like mm. storms coming, cancel everything. I just stopped and I was like, this, I'm going all in on what I need to do to heal because it's very, very, I talk about this in the mix here. It's very easy to bleed on people who didn't cut you. It's very easy to pass the pain on. And there are people who've had worse struggle than me and less struggle than me. And I can only deal, deal with my stuff that comes up for me, but it's really important to maintain that perspective. And I think when I was making those speeches, I was just thinking about, I wasn't even thinking about me. I, I was like, lose yourself and find yourself in the service of others. I say that on the mixtape and I live it on the mixtape through those three speeches because we weren't there for me. We were there for students who, no one's going to come and say this to them at their school. Not like, n- no one's going to sit down with them and it helped them understand like, what career do you want? What is your why? And it just, and also I didn't, I was going to add this in earlier. I didn't go into that speech intending for it to be on the mixtape. Of course not. But when I listened back to it, because I was just listening like, what kind of speaker am I right now? Like, how do I sound? Mm. I was like, oof, oof. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. It was that moment, it was that moment. Kid. Yeah, 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 cool, cool. <laughs> so like, <laughs> um, and it was, again, I think it was a very edifying experience for me listening back to it because it generated more self-esteem and made me realize what you say later on in the mix of like, you bring a lot to the table, man. Me, bro. And sometimes you don't see it because you're just you. Mm. And this period has helped me to see like, no, I'm actually sick, you know. Oh, I'm telling you. I'm telling and you. I don't need you to, you said to me in Barcelona, you're on the same, you and ET are peers now. I was like, Yeah. Yeah, and it, but it has to be seen that way. When you listen to this body of work, you go, oh, okay, this is the level we're talking about. Now. And so, so, this, so this is interesting because um, what, no way, actually, watch my back, right? Watch my back for me. Mm. That was also a speech. Yeah. Right. So I had a question about this one more than anything, because okay. I think the concept of watch my back for me is definitely important. But then... Should we let people know? Because I know we talk about sometimes unsolicited advice. Yeah. We talk about different things. So should we, where possible, if we have some level of awareness already, let people know what to watch for and therefore also select people who have that level of awareness to be able to pick up on it, but then also have the confidence to pull you up? Or is it sometimes that different people will do one or the other? Like, what's your opinion on that? I think it's you teach people how to treat you. And for example, um, if you're, if you're somebody who is a survivor of abuse, for example, and you are experiencing complex PTSD, I think it's important for you to let the correct people in your life know, um, I'm going through this at the moment. And sometimes, Say, for example, you sneak up behind me or I hear a loud bang. I react in this way and I'm working on it every day to change that. But in that moment, what I need you to look out for are these signals Mm. and I need you to do this for me. 
And that's an example of, it's a very specific example, but it's an example of how you have to teach people how to treat and what, and, and unless you ask for what you need, how, like, how can people know? Like, we're not mind readers. You, I think it's really important, like, communication in any relationship to just let people know, like, this is what I need right now. Um, or I just need some quiet time. Like, please don't disturb me. Or I just need this. Um, so I think that is important. And when you have, the, like, the type of relationship that we have, I would have no qualms telling you. And there were moments over the last four months where I just sent you articles or voice notes. Where I told you, like, this is what I'm experiencing. So Bro, this is what I need. Exa- I was actually listening to you speak just now. I'm like, yo, you're not just saying that as an answer to my question. You did that. Mm. You did that with me. You said, Lewis, here's where I'm at right now. My, my therapy is taking me to this point. I'm currently experiencing this. So I want you to be aware of the triggers. And it was just like, you just gave me a blueprint for how to be of support. That's just, yeah, yeah. That's very, very... I think the other, the other thing is until we... And this is one of my favorite lines. There's many. Um, but until you invite people in and show them your scars, how will they know the wounds and the stories they tell? How will mm. they know the stories those wounds tell? And that's the thing is... Um, I have many friends who have been through through various things, but until they tell me those things, um, you know, we had conversation about this in Barca, like we don't know. Mm. And you don't want to tell everyone, but there are people who need to understand your experience. And, you know, I really believe in the hive mind to like watch my back because I was saying this to a friend yesterday alone, like I am so fallible. I'm mm. so flawed. I'm such a hypocrite. I'll make the wrong move against my own interests just on a whim, probably like I'm just as human as everyone else, but I have the people around me and the places around me to ensure that I think about populism or I think about politics or I think about philosophy or I think about, you know, the way that I might be doing too much inside. And it's not accidental. Yeah. It's not accidental. Oh man, this is so deep. Okay. So, Obviously, one of my favorite tracks, mainly because obviously I, I know it one minute, right? So that that was that was significant for me. But also the way in which ah, oh, when people hear this track, they're gonna. And for me, it was the angle I was at within this particular assembly. I was literally like behind you as it was delivered, and oh, it was deep. But anyway, track five was it the Satchel? I think no. This Breaking one, hell, this one was at yes, it was at Breaking Hell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, so my question is this, isn't it? Like, why was getting so real about the fact that you were struggling at the time, but also calling out influencers that maybe wouldn't be willing to be in some of those environments? Yeah, yeah. And talking about inequality because of that, because you also then went on to speak to the students in that particular speech about, you know, the fact that where they're from, where others are from can cause certain yeah, yeah, the um, opportunities. But yeah, why did, why did, why do you feel they needed to hear about that? But more importantly, why did you need to express my mum, for example? Just because I think one of the things I've realised, and this cuts deep, is when you, and I know this already, but again, I had to relive the lesson. When you go through a challenging time in your life, you really know who's like, who's your dog, like who's there for you, mm. um, who's in the trenches with you. And there are people who, was, who said verbally or text me saying, I'm here for you. And then there were people who, they just text me. 
they just came to my office and said talk mm. or just sent me a voice note every other like just checking in like what's coming up for you today um and that really taught me this is how you show up for people and a friend in need like this is and it taught me like wow i don't know if i have done this fully to this degree for other people so it gave me an opportunity to learn and you know i'm one thing i can share is what I'm, we're kind of trying to talk about but not talk about is a breakup and my mom cried for a week man my mom my mom like she wasn't in the relationship yet my brother's tell me like yeah she was just in tears for the whole week for you mm-hmm. to that and that made me think about how do you have such level of empathy like who does that mm-hmm. Who does that? Who will do, you know, take your pain? Like, ultimately, I might have a conversation with you about it. I might have a coffee. You might have a long three-hour convo. But when you go home, you start thinking about yourself. We're always the main character of our mental movie, except for your parents or someone who really, truly cares about you, where they will, they'll go home and they're still thinking about, no, oh, but he's really hurting, man. Mm. Why did this happen to him? It's not fair. Yeah. And just every single day, my mom still texts me, Every morning. And I'll be honest, I don't always send the most um, rapturous reply. It would just be, JSK, how are you? Like, you know, but when we speak, we speak. Um, But I just really appreciate it. Again, I was just like, like, you've been my, you got my back since day one. I'm telling you. Day one. From before you were even born. And it humbles you in a way where you realize you're, you're not that deep, man. Like there's so many people, there's so many people that go into creating me and, continuing to help me to flourish and this is just another example over the many decades that she's known me for just to use my mom as, a, as an example and for those who don't know maya is what i call my mom in gujarati that's the word that we use um and that there's so many layers to that even uh my name Keshav, is the name of a hindu god another name for lord krishna and he in a he famously would call his mom Maya Yashoda. So she wanted to create that intention from the beginning of you're named after the supreme being. Mm. So are you going to be this person by name or nature? You decide, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's that, but also just, it's such a beautiful word as well, I think. Of course. Um, And then talking about, you asked me about inequality and why, why is it important for them to understand? I think because when you're on the i don't want to say wrong side but you have more disadvantage than others i think it is important for you to realize that disadvantage and i didn't realize that Mm. as a you know south asian um growing up in the uk or as some you know someone from your background and the area that you're from in lewisham like we don't think about those things no we don't ever picture that and i remember talking to you about uh, I don't know if you remember this when I was talking to you about that individual who runs a coffee shop in central London just by her circle she was given that opportunity yes yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. and it just made me think about that moment when I, when I heard that story I was like I'm never going to get that golden no. ticket like, and that was the first time I actually visibly felt that gap of privilege that mm. somebody is just getting a leg up for no reason they're yeah. not more talented than me they're not be- better at business than me but they just know someone who came to a dinner party at their house in Surrey who has lots of money and wanted someone to give it to to feel good about themselves 
and you happen to be in that room. I can never be in that room. No. Because I don't no. come from there. No. And so that was something that I, it really deepened within me that we need to understand. We, sometimes because we don't see, yo, that person's further ahead in a race than me, their starting point is 10 steps further. So they then get celebrated for what they've achieved. And I think of people who have been to private schools and go on and work in like high-flying jobs not that they don't work hard, but there's like it's just that where you're born in the class system that didn't play a role in you getting it. So of course that's what you should expect. Um, same for me. To be fair, you know, I did go to a private school for a year. My mom had to work like four or five jobs to do it. Mm. Um, so I have a certain advantage that other people don't have, mm. and it's up to me to decide like how am I going to use this? Being born in the UK, not being a refugee from Syria, in Calais, you know, in we're Dunkirk, like we're privileged, 100%. and there's always someone better and there's always someone worse. So I think it's always important to bear in mind the people that pray for what you have, but also the people who have more than what you have, so you know where you fit within that structure, and you can start making moves to move forward. And, and I've heard you reference that at different points and different times when we are doing stuff whether it be within educational institutions or in other settings. But that was going to be one of my questions to follow up from those three chats that do come back to back, because do you think about, and I'm sure the answer is no, it'd be interesting. Do you think about the use of the audio that's going to be created when you're giving a speech? No, I never. Or are you just in the moment and I'm just, just speaking? And I just in the moment speaking like, you know, we're going to a school on Friday. I have no idea what I'm going to say. But I've been thinking about it already. I've been imagining it in my mind. I've been thinking about how the last speech went, what I want to work on for the next one, what I want to bring to this one, where that audience is at, what happened last time, like just who's in the room, what mm. I feel at the time. Just And I do this thing all the time where yeah. I, I work myself into a state and then on the day I'm like, oh, I, feel, I don't feel any of that. Yeah. So then I have to, you know, but it's there obviously. And then it just... It's just an expression. And I think that's another reason why the mixtape was so important because I knew that at my most raw point, like I've written so much in the last six months. Like yeah. there's probably another whole mixtape I can put out easily. 100%. Um, and, and I think, again, I think it's important to know the crisis unity. Like when you're in a crisis, there's still an opportunity. They okay. say this in campaigning that you are in a state of flux and in that state of flux, Everything is up in the air. And so you have a very rare opportunity to undo everything and rethink your entire paradigm. And so that was why immediately, as soon as I knew this is big, like this is a Richter scale, this is a tsunami because I don't get like this. Mm. I was like, okay, nothing matters except my own healing and my own creativity and expression because there's going to be a line I write or something I'm going to put down on paper or video I'm going to make that... I cannot ever craft. It has to just come through me. Bro, <laughs> let's talk about a line you wrote because I wrote this one down in, in the following track, track six. Yeah. A buried it's seed. A buried seed. It's a great gift being given to let anyone enter my kingdom. Yeah. <sighs> Bro, just, I'm just saying it, innit? You what does that mean for you? That. As someone who's, who knows me as a friend... So how I view that for you is you're a man in demand. And the reason you're a man in demand is because 
If you look at, for example, your YouTube, if you look at the speeches that you give live, if you look at the quantity of speeches you've given live at various different places. So I know there was a time in your life where you probably were covering 30 universities a year doing yeah. speeches. You've gone to youth organizations, you will speak at schools, at conferences, at all sorts, right? Then you're pumping out um, content on YouTube. Then you make yourself accessible on other social media, such as Instagram. And then I've seen your email box as well, actually. So let's not not forget that. You're in demand. So I I always did used to think to myself, right, like, how many times does Cash get asked a question to help someone else and be expected to have an answer? And then you get those people who, it's not always their fault. They don't always realize that actually they're going to take more than they're going to give when they're around you. So when you said, it's a great gift to let anyone enter my kingdom, I was like, this is the moment. Because I was like... As in, I think you're waiting for me to have that realization. Is that what you mean? It was so needed. Okay. And the reason for that is not just because I'm not saying that I saw it and thought to myself, oh, he needs that because actually maybe I wasn't even at that point yet. But by hearing you say it helped me to go... That's the Keshav we need. The Keshav that's unapologetic, unapologetic about the fact that actually to share my time, my energy, my headspace with you is a privilege. Mm. So yeah, to me, I just wanted to talk to that line because it yeah. was like... Well, wow. actually, so, so the concept for this track... So this, let's talk about how this track was made as well. Yeah, because I also put the vocals are angelic. Oh, oh yeah, shout goodness. out to Dea. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. oh my God. Absolutely and also, there's a version actually. Angelic. If you email me, I will send you the version because I can't share it publicly. But the first version you heard. Yes. Was the, the different hooks. Yes. It was so good, but we didn't have the rights to share it. So we had to change it. But anyway, she came through like a, an angel. Like her voice sounds angelic, but also just shout out. Like she sent me her, that thing within like, two days and she was mm. traveling and it was perfect quality everything blessing to work with like truly um so i heard logic's album okay and on the last track j cole features i yes. think you've heard it yeah. right yeah and that track came about from uh j cole just wrote this piece and sent it as a voice note on whatsapp to logic and then logic was like can I just throw this on the mix on the album just as is? Yeah. And I really liked the idea of it wasn't just the piece. It was like, I've written this for you, like man to man. I want you to know this message. Um, and that, if you listen to it, it's called J. If you look for J. Cole acceptance or logic on YouTube, you can listen to the track I'm talking about, but it's just a beautiful thing. And so I wanted to kind of recreate that. And that's where I said to you, can you write, I can't remember what I said. I think I was like, can you write something for me that yeah. you want me to know? Yeah, yeah. And then when I heard your piece, I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm going to write a response now. Okay. So it's like, we're talking to each other and then, yeah, um, it's a great gift being given to let anyone enter my kingdom. That just came from, I think also later on in the mixtape on track 13, I say like, I was starting to feel like a slot machine. Like people keep take, 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 slot machine. Like answer this question. What's this? And it's the same question over and over. And I think unfortunately or fortunately, it's not, there's no like blueprint to becoming me or becoming an expert or a speaker or an authority or an influencer. And one of the things we fail to realize is that when you become 
that individual, you do have to repeat yourself a lot. Mm. Think about the number of times that Obama has said the same speech, the number of times that Greta Thunberg is saying the same statistics. And I know this having watched, uh, having the blessing, like truly blessing that I saw this early on. I remember seeing Akala and I'd see him talk to me when he said the same thing again. I'm like, he's going to say this. He's going to talk about Brazil. He's going to talk about private prisons. He's going to talk about this. But that's just who he had to be. And I resisted that for a long while. And then I realized that someone said this to me when I went on a training once that the point at which you become tired of saying your message is the point you've just got started. Hmm. And it's hmm. a test. Hmm. Are you willing, you believe in that idea, yeah? yeah? Are you willing to say it a thousand times to, until you get sick of it? Yeah. Until your partner is sick of hearing it. And, you know, I see this with like Alicia sometimes. She heard you say stuff. And even I know you're going to say this, you're going to say this, but I still like, not like, this is a fresh audience, fresh energy, and they need to hear the same thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that line just came from realizing again, like who I am for the world. And I can't talk to everyone. I can't give that time and energy to everyone because especially because I had a period this year where from let's say March up until just beginning of September, really, I didn't do it. I did like hard. I was operating at like, 20 30 percent so again those first few tracks that's me at my look that's me at like 10 15 percent and it's crazy to me because i'm like raw i can be like that at 10 percent yeah so when i get i'm not even at 100 yet of course um maybe 70 but when i get there I'm like, it's gonna be mad boy yeah um and yeah it just made me realize that I'm, like, I've done, I've paid my due. Like, it's just, it's just time, man. Like, I don't need to prove anything to anyone anymore. I don't need to convince anyone why I should do this. I don't need to worry about the risks I'm taking. I don't need to answer to anyone because I'm sorry. And I wish I'd said this sooner in some of my conversations. Who are you? Simple. To make that criticism or to ask the, or to create says suggest this and that's why we talk about unsolicited advice is before you give me advice do you know what my goal is do you know what my weak areas is so if you know i'm specifically working on i don't know improving the conversions of my home page on my website that's a specific thing that you can help me with but if you don't know and you just say i think you should do this it's like who asked you how is that relevant? And more importantly, you haven't done the work of seeking to understand first. And that's why, you know, sometimes um, a good friend of mine was like, you always ask why. And I was like, yeah, because it's so important to me to understand people first. And I, yeah. I, I make, I'll be real. I make so many assumptions and I judge so quickly. And I notice it all the time. that I'm trying to counteract that and change that about myself. Mm. And so it's so important to hear people's stories because they're never what you expect them to be there. Things are always changing. So yeah, that line just came from saying like, and also just from you, you know, what you said in that first verse, you know, um, you, it's okay to eat alone when you know what you bring to the table. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. I, so you said just now that you felt, you know, at times you were operating at 10, 15, 20%, maybe all around 70 Let's be honest, track seven, it sounds like rock bottom, bro. It sounds like you've been completely broken. And 
I don't think the world's ever heard you like that. No. Even in your most viewed YouTube video, which is the, the relationship up. one, the breakup video, you're I'm still hurting, yeah. but this here, when people listen to it, they'll know what we're talking about, but... How, how did it... Because you had never heard that track. You didn't, I didn't tell you anything about it. You just listened to it. So how did that... I had, to, I had to stop my bench press, I'll be real. Like, yeah. you, like I listened to this on a day when it was um, upper body and yeah, I was just like, no, do you know what? I just need to pause for a second and listen to what's going on here because it's not that I didn't know you were facing challenge. It's not that you didn't share with me the fact that you had gone to seek support mm. and guidance for that. But it was more... The level of vulnerability, bro, was... It was just different because you, I, I, I obviously my head started to go to log- the logical of like, what, what, how do you record that? Like when, was the <laughs> mic just on in the session? Like, then I was like, why'd you keep that? Like, and then, but you were truly broken. Like you were literally at a point of just saying, do you know what? I'm going to forget being logical. I'm going to forget trying to verbalize what it is and just be real and let the emotions flow. And mm-hmm. As a person who views you as a brother, I was just like, as much as I was like, whoa, I wonder how he's feeling. My first thought was that must have been one of the most liberating things one can experience. To create. To to have the moment. Yeah. To have the moment must have been very liberating. Mm. To have that space just to be like that. We're not always afforded that. Especially not when when you're not in as, when you're in as much demand as you are. You're not always afforded that space. So... Mm. For me, I was both like trying to be sympathetic, but also proud. Like he got the space in it, and that must have been liberating. So yeah, man, I have a, again a line that I want to touch on, but just yeah, first and yeah, foremost, yeah, go on, go to that, and then I'll I'll respond to what you said. So you said I don't want to create a barrier whereby where I believe that you can't understand me because you haven't been through what I have, mm. which is essentially saying. I don't want to make assumptions that you won't understand me just because we haven't had similar slash identical experiences. But then you went on to say, my habits have become practices of self-love. Yeah. So literally, either you've reframed the way you view your habits or you've developed habits that have become practices of self-love. And the final point I noted was, your leaders need encouragement and they need gifts and they need affirmation too. And sometimes people think that's not the case. People think leaders are going to put everyone else's thing on their back and that's it. Mm. So those three points around, you know, like not trying to make assumptions that people can't understand, um, your habits being practices of self-love. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about the first bit. Why this is, I, I had to put this on because I want people to know, yeah, I've been to therapy and I think, um, it's a very healthy choice. Mm. It is a signal of strength that you are choosing to sit in a space of no judgment with a professional to work through what emotions are coming up for you, challenges that are coming up for you. I'm one of the world's best coaches. I have so much training. I'm an NLP practitioner. I've worked with hundreds of people for many years. That doesn't mean I'm above the process. Of course. That doesn't mean I don't feel things. And... I just needed people to hear me break. I needed people to know. You seem... Yeah, go on. Something... I think in this process, I started to notice that a lot of people, when I shared my story, 
And I don't think I ever will share it publicly, um, my full story. But when they heard about it, they were shocked and surprised. But you seem so like you're just cash. Like, how can this happen to you? And it made me realize that, again, that line I said previously, if you don't show people your scars, how will they know the stories that they tell? And so I wanted to let people know that even the person, and if I am that individual for you, that you may admire or look up to or see as strong, just even as friends, like I look up to you, but you also go through, like you cry. You have days where you feel broken or you feel down yeah. or you procrastinate or you feel lazy or low. And I think it just humanizes our experience and we need more of that in the world. And that's something that I hope my legacy is, is you can see that I always try to be authentic and it was hard in the sense of creating this mixtape. This is why I sent it to you, my older brother, etc. first to say, have I got this right? Am I authentic, but not oversharing? Am I doing it in a dignified way where I'm not creating more harm for myself or anyone else? Um, and once yeah. that was clarified and you'd had a chance to sit with it as well, it's like, no, this is, this is universally available. So I wanted to put that track there to kind of just promote, um, go and speak to someone, go see a professional because even though I can speak to you and Ishani and Gurmi and all my good friends, there's just, you're not a therapist. You're not my therapist. So I have to understand that there's still something I have to deal with myself. And before I come to you or my partner for, you know, if, if I had one or if I go to my parents, or anyone, I have to ensure that I've just done the work myself first mm -hmm. And then I can share with you, oh yeah, so this is what we discussed in therapy or this is what I learned in therapy. But you're not a trained professional where, and, you, and let's face it as well, you may not always have the headspace. And I think sometimes we don't do that. We don't ask people. Um, I, I wanted to be very mindful of the story because I think it's coming from a place of ego that, oh my God, I've been through so many things. Like I've suffered so much and I've been through this and I've been through this and you haven't. And I started to notice that at least in my thoughts that was coming up for me, I was having thoughts like this person ain't going to understand me because they just ain't been through stuff. Mm. And I was very conscious that's a dangerous, slippery slope because I've created a barrier there. And there was a period where I was finding it very difficult to really connect with people, even though I was trying to, because I just felt completely isolated from everyone. And it was difficult to put language to my experience and to explain like, no, it's this because this, 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 and this is this. And, you know, um, again, without getting into specifics. So that was a part of it. And then you're, th I think you spoke about. Yeah. The next one was around the habits of practice of self-love. Yeah. Love. yeah. <sighs> like the gym. I said this to you. Time for the lion. Yeah. I'm going to the, every morning. I'd, I, I would often go to the gym thing. Who am I to spend two hours in the gym? Like, who am I to actually go steam? And then I get to work at the like. Who do I think I am? Mm. Then I realized, no, this isn't the gym. This is me. This is spiritual. This yeah. is, yeah. I'm going into the temple. And every time I walk up the steps and I go into the gym, I, I genuinely, I genuinely, I don't care what you think of this. I feel like I want to touch the ground and like just give my respects yeah. because I truly believe this. Spirituality, personal development, all of those things are not restricted to just your therapy session or just the temple or the mandir or the church 
you can find growth anywhere because it's all part of the world. Mm. You can learn just as much from a tree or a leaf or a lamppost or a human being as you can from any great text we have. And I created that reframe because I started to see how there were many days that were a struggle where genuinely getting out of bed was an achievement and having a shower was an achievement. That's it. Yeah. And so in those days, I was like, I don't know what's going to happen today. And I know I'm going to probably feel terrible and have so much anxiety. But I know one thing is true and that is going to the gym is going to help. I'm just going to feel good. So mm-hmm. just for those two hours, just for those two hours, of, and I would look forward to it. I'd sit in the car park, have my pre-workout, think about my training. And like, I'm not be, I am being cocky, but also if I take my top off right now, like I'm in good shape, you know, <laughs> very intentionally, like I'm, my bench press is doing nice. Um, but it just became a thing of spiritual practice and temple of iron. And so that's where I started to realize these habits are practices of, so I'm practicing loving myself every time I go to the gym, every time I meditate, every time I go for a walk, every time I say, nah, sorry, I can't come to this. I can't do this today. I can't show up today. And just approaching it with complete compassion because I realized like, I'm just, I know you're so used, like so many people are so used to me giving so much that when I stopped doing that, small things like after dinner, I'd go for walks and not help out with the dishes. Mm. And I had to explain to members of my family, I'm sorry, but there's a reason I'm doing that. And it's not me not showing up. It's me giving myself space and self-love because if I don't, it could get messy. Like I need to nip it in the bud here and now. And I just have to put myself first because no one can do that for me. Not at all. So yeah, that was, that was the big shift there. It was like, it's just a practice of self-love. Um, and it's a measure for me of like, how much am I loving myself recently? How many times did I go to the gym this week? How many times did I meditate? How many times have I had a meaningful conversation? How many times have I spoken to a stranger? Mm. How many times have I been to the steam room? How many times have I been for a walk? Like all of those things, man. There's a big track. No, it's a very big track because as I say, like the way it's, it begins with being at that point and then moving into talking about the habit stuff to then the fact that leaders do need some of that reinforcement and affirmation is very yeah, interesting. That- and I've heard that one before from other leaders, but it's so true. The further up you go, the more isolated you feel you get because you're just so unique. You, your habits, your day look so different, but what we forget to appreciate and realize, and that's why I started doing those dinner parties, for example, is you're just to do what no one else, to have what no one else has, you have to do what no one else does. Trust. When you start do living that though, yeah, yeah. It's, it's lonely sort of. It, uh, because yeah. it's so, everyone, 99% of people are saying to you, now nah, it's cool, like just do this instead, just do this, just do this. And I started to also notice that there's so many things that I do that I'm not trying to do for the validation or the compliment, but do you know what? It'd be nice if someone just said, do you know what? Like, it was cool that you did that, you know? Yeah. And that's why the first question I then asked was, well, let me do that for other people. Yeah. And so even in the last week, like I sent you that voice note, just all that message, just say like, hey, you know, I've noticed you've changed this about you, like big ups. Yeah. Because if I don't do that for you, who will? Who will? Who will? Who will?